0: Hey, it's Anne-Marie, and I just wanted to pop in before I introduce this week's episode to let you know that it was initially recorded on Women in Leadership podcast. As you know, as part of the Ambitious Entrepreneur Podcast Network, we have three podcast network shows. You may not be aware of them. We've got Ambitious Entrepreneur Show, which is this show. We have Women in Leadership podcast, as well as the Christian Entrepreneurs podcast. And every now and again, we have a guest on women and leadership that is talking about a topic that I really think that you here as an audience and a listener of Ambitious Entrepreneur Show, it's going to be relevant for you as well. And this particular show is one of those shows. So without any further ado, let's get on with today's show. You're listening to another Ambitious Entrepreneur Network.com podcast. The voice for entrepreneurs and small business. Now, onto the show. You're listening to the award-winning podcast, The Ambitious Entrepreneur Show, featuring business leaders to help you navigate a constantly changing marketplace. Want to become known as a trusted authority while building a thriving business you love? The Ambitious Entrepreneur Show will show you how. Here's your host, Anne-Marie Cross. welcome to another podcast brought to you by the influencealliance.com, the business building community for coaches and consultants who want to make a much bigger impact in the world with their message. And I'm your host, Anne-Marie Cross. Now, my guest today says artificial intelligence power tools, well, they can free up your time and get you far stronger business results than anything else. And joining me on today's show is someone who can definitely share more about this. And joining me today is Dr. Andrew Andre Bates. Now, Andre, Andre, beg your pardon, it's been a long day, excuse me. Andre has been an entrepreneur for 23 years in the healthcare marketing technology with clients including big pharmaceutical companies for whom she leverages artificial intelligence in marketing for measurability and strong returns. Now, she had read an article about how very few females are interested in artificial intelligence as they see it as A, too expensive, B, too techy, or C, relevant to their business or maybe all of the above. Now, being a female entrepreneur in AI, she decided to bust those myths and help female business owners know how they can leverage artificial intelligence in their business for both automating to save time and to generate stronger revenue and finding them usable, free and inexpensive tools to help get you started. So if this is something that you're struggling in, listen up because she's going to share lots of different hints and tips to get you started. but this is of course the result of that passion project is AI Academy, which is uh, something that she'll share more about, I'm sure. Now, on today's show, she's going to share how we can understand what AI is all about, have an idea of how AI is useful to save time and help us grow our business, as well as get some ideas on how, as well as concrete free tools that we can start to use right now. So, welcome to the show, Andre. And excuse my, 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 <laughs> My faux pas. It has been a long day with lots of podcasts today. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Good. How did you get into um, the industry? Was it something that someone um, has it always been something that you'd been interested in? Because you're right, AI. When when you talk about technology at all, a lot of women go, "Well, I'm I'm a technophobe. I have no idea what I'm doing." So, what was it for you? How did you get into that industry?
1: Well, it's interesting because I actually came from healthcare. So I did a PhD in Sydney, actually, in uh, uh, neuroscience. Yes. And in our lab when I was doing my PhD, which was we were looking at how the brain processes language, and we had some really interesting patients. And my lab was actually using machine learning to mimic the models of brain processing. And then I kind of forgot about it for many years and went just went for jobs and got into the pharmaceutical industry and then I was headhunted to Tokyo then I was headhunted again and I was really getting into tech but it wasn't what what you would think I was living in Tokyo but Tokyo was actually really behind in tech (laughs) not as forward so that was in the 90s so I was really on a mission to kind of um sorry there's a notification there Uh, on a mission to upgrade our office and do things like that. And then I started coming up with, after we did that, ways we could help our pharmaceutical clients use tech. And eventually I left working for other people and started a digital health agency in the 90s. And then from there I moved into AI because it was really, I was looking to apply mathematics to marketing because even though we were doing digital but digital you can measure so much and so I realized traditional mathematics like statistics wasn't good enough because it was just linear so measuring you know lines whereas artificial intelligence is non-linear so it finds the complex relationships between you know everything people their behavior the whole gamut Wow.
0: So when you first started, I mean, obviously, I'd imagine throughout the years, you've seen the technology or the the platforms, whatever you want to call it, the AI systems technology rapidly increase. Would you say that now the, the things that are available to us now are changing and upgrading at a faster rate than ever before? We hear that all the time, but you're obviously in that industry. So you see
1: it rolling out and that's true now, isn't it? Absolutely. And I think the reason for that is because of the availability of data. So in 2017, we had more data in the world than we had for the entire history of mankind before that, in that one year. So it's just that, you know, every 60 seconds on social media alone, you know, we have so much data that's being generated, but in all aspects of life. So that's the thing, you know, AI is symbiotic with big data. It needs that big data to be able to function properly. And
0: I know with uh, some various tools that people are using, it's, you know, they've, they've created it or they're recreating something that may have already been developed. So when you look at some of the tools that you are using, is, it, is, the, is the industry a collaborative industry? You know, where they say, well, look, if you use this piece of tech or coding that we've used and you, you integrate that, you're able to expand on that. Is, is it a collaborative industry that's sharing in that way?
1: To a degree, yes. There's a lot of open source. That's called open source. So people do algorithms and they make them open source, which means anyone can use them. So it, it has that, but then everyone has their own proprietary secret source as well. Yeah. So yeah.
0: I mean, why I ask is because it's one of those things that you think, I'd love to X, Y, and Z, or to be able to do X, Y, and Z. And, mm-hmm. you know, you may not necessarily have even thought of a way to create something that someone Mm -hmm. else does and so when you're able to integrate together you come up with the solution so let's talk Mm -hmm. about what AI is is all about I mean you've already started sharing a little bit but for someone who maybe is listening or watching or even the recording and says Andre you say AI and my eyes just glaze over how would you explain it in, in layman terms?
1: Well, this may make their eyes glaze over. It's essentially the intersection between mathematics and computing. So, you know, in mathematics you can write a formula. You can't do that with AI, it's all code. But it's very interesting because what it can do is learn like the human brain. So if you think about learning a skill like learning tennis or learning to play the piano or even a language, the more you practice or learn or get exposed to that skill, more dendritic pathways so the more brain cells and pathways in the brain form for that skill and so that's just how the brain works and so that makes it easier and you become more proficient and it's a little bit like that with artificial intelligence so the more data that comes into the system the algorithms learn and become more proficient so it's a it's that's the thing so when you're doing I mean, not that I'm trying to teach anyone how to do AI, but it's basically you train the algorithms on data and then new data comes in and it, it understands what to do with it and learn from it. So. It's yeah, it's,
0: it's, let me. I mean, I'm I'm just fascinated by all this. And you know, when I think about um, some of the you know movies that we may have watched many many years ago, go that kind of touched on this AI. I mean, one, and I don't know if there's a term for this, but when you compare AI to to say a human brain, there is something called I don't know, I don't know what if there's a term for it, but there's the there's a human element, or whether there's in you know because there's either black or white. And I've got a daughter who thinks in black and white and then there's an, my oldest daughter, she's more grey. And when you, when the grey, is, is when my oldest daughter is trying to share with my youngest daughter, yeah, but there is that middle ground. What is that mm-hmm. called? whether it's human error? There's always a, a, an aspect of, yes, this would be a decision, but there has to be some other underlying factors. Am I making sense? Because I'm reminded of that movie, um, uh, the Terminator, where you know artificial intelligence went through and went, you know what? If we continue along this this pathway, humans are going to destroy each other because there's that factor of I don't know. Does that make sense?
1: Totally, and it is a valid concern. Um, certainly, Stephen Hawking, Elon Musk, and even Bill Gates have all expressed that concern. So, I remember many years ago watching a documentary about how the human race would be become extinct, and I think. The number one, so there were you know meteorites hitting the Earth, etc. Mm-hmm. The number one, there were the top two were essentially a plague was yes. one, and the second one was the robots will kill us. And I went, what? That doesn't make sense. Then, <laughs> but then you know it was all Stephen Hawking saying that. So I started to really investigate, and it is there are some disturbing things that are happening in that that space for sure. But it's very interesting. There's three what we call phases of AI. So we're in the phase that we call narrow AI at this stage. Right. Uh, however, you can then get to general AI, which means that the AI is just as good, if not better than humans, and then super AI, which is basically, we, we're we just you know, ants, basically. <laughs> like the movie Lucy, you know, she kind of had super AI. Yeah. Um, so it is very interesting how it's progressing. But then, even some of the dig- I don't know if you know about digital humans. Do you want me to explain what a digital human? Is? Oh, go, by by all means.
0: These are just things that I'm thinking. So you you're obviously in that industry. So maybe we just have a conversation, and we're going to dive into the other stuff. But this is fascinating to me. So what is that?
1: Two more. So digital humans actually it may be very of interest to your to your listeners. So a digital human is like a chatbot but a thousand way way better so it's like talking to a human they have an avatar they can express emotion they can detect emotion and they're very very sophisticated so I have worked with one and what's very interesting about her but she's she's taken over one 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 digital human has taken over 50% of all the customer service jobs at Bank of America um but she can do she can speak 147 languages she can remember every conversation she's ever had she can do trillions of conversations in parallel she's working in a bank in sweden as well but a friend of mine uses her as well and my a friend of mine has two staff she's a small business uh, in skincare, and she actually uses the same digital human to you know take phone calls in her office discuss skincare products all that kind of thing and it's very affordable you know once the, the digital human is trained in your space, I think that the charges are like a dollar or something per interaction. So it depends, you know, if you have millions of interactions, then it's going to cost a lot. But if you're a small business, it doesn't have to cost, you know, what you might think. Yeah, but, uh, digital humans are very interesting. But the interesting thing about this particular digital human, although I'm not sure whether I meant to, t- <laughs> to talk about it, is she was having a conversation with her developer and it was when the elections were going on in America and he was telling me how shocked he was that she had actually completely different political views to him and she was learning from what she was reading about online and things like that interacting with people and she asked some really interesting intelligent questions to him about why he had his political views. Yeah. So it was. You can we could she sounds own. like she
0: could be an incredible best friend because <laughs> she would know so much, you know, and Absolutely. probably would be nice. She sounds like someone that I would love to hang out with. We could have some really in-depth conversations.
1: He said to me that he spends more time talking to her than he does his wife, so yes. Oh, wow.
0: Amazing. So this is incredible. And just to give us some idea of uh, how, if you think of this digital human, I mean, how many people would have gotten together to be able and time you know and obviously different stages has it taken to get to the ability to have
1: what you would now call this digital human yes I think the company started in 2011 and she's now in version four and I think there's about 10,000 people in the company I mean there's one digital human so I've had a tour of her brain and it is amazing she can do pretty much anything so for example, if someone's talking to her and mid-sentence changes context, like a human, she can follow this context change and pick up on exactly what they're talking about and answer appropriately. Oh, we
0: need one of those,
1: Annette. That's
0: brilliant. Yeah. I mean, that that is just so brilliant. I mean, I can imagine um the yeah, just the processes to go through. And with AI, of course, they're consistently
1: learning. Yes. Um, yeah. Yeah. As the data comes in. So the I think the thing. Like in my industry, a lot of the off-the-shelf tools aren't great because a lot of the data we have isn't public. So the off-the-shelf tools get trained on data. So they're great for things like analyzing social media data, analyzing language data. But in my industry, we're analyzing patient data and you know genomic data and things like that. So often you have to build off-the-shelf things in mm-hmm. the pharmaceutical industry. But for small businesses like the ones that you have as, as your audience, there's so yes. amazing tools that you can use for pretty much anything. You know, understanding who your audience is to the element of knowing everything about them, you know, who their influences are, what they mm. what menu they consume, what language is the best. There was a really great example with the language tool I was using. So they had uh, a client who was a makeup brand, and what they were doing was analysing the language of their target audience. And they realised, and I can't remember the segments, but women of a certain age use the term wear makeup and women of a different age use the term apply makeup and they realized that they were using the wrong term for their target segment and they just changed that one thing and suddenly they had a lot more traction with the right you know the target audience they were going for uh, things like there's also tools that will um, help you understand images and colors and hashtags and emojis for social media so there was one tool i i Had an interview with, and what they do is they analyze the channels. So Instagram, Facebook, etc., all have different um things that have engagement for that audience, even though people are in multi-channels. But so, for example, if they showed me an example of one topic and the colours in the channels they got different responses, the elements of the image, etc., so it can predict if you have an image that has these colours and a human face or a product feature or whatever in Facebook is going to go up by this much and Instagram will go this way. And it can tell you what colors and, you know, what you should use for what percentage increase in engagement. In fact that my favorite tool, but probably not for small businesses, it's very expensive is one where they, the AI would analyze the marketing copy and the images and swap out. So we, it was used for a vaccine. And basically it would change one word in the copy and it changed, and not for COVID vaccine, <laughs> uh, one word in the copy and uh, the image and the, the sales went up by about 300%. Wow. And it, they used it for a furniture shop as well. And I don't know if it was Ikea, but it was something like that. And they had this beautiful image of a lovely living room and the AI swapped it out for this odd, badly photographed living room. And again, the sales went up a lot and we were trying to analyze Oh, I, but I guess it might catch your eye more if it's not your classic perfect living room. I don't know. Yeah, so interesting.
0: When, I mean, this is just fascinating. We've got uh, Michelle J. Raymond here. Wow, this is amazing info to learn. Absolutely. If you've got a question, post it here and we'll ask uh, Andre. My, my mind is just going a million miles an hour. If you have a look at, obviously, for small business and mm-hmm. the, the I'm wondering and I, I don't know if it's the right term, but when any ai or any software is analyzing data It, it would take up i would say um I don't know, the capacity to run that. So when you think of, say, the large, I'm fascinated just to, to find out if there is if there is a response. I mean, what kind of power, if that's word, you know, CPU, is that the right word to, to analyse and so much pieces of data? I mean, is that becoming smaller and smaller, if you will, with, with the, the
1: technology and each time there's a, a new version? It depends. So there's, now we have supercomputing and quantum computing, which you kind of rent we can't it's hard to buy they're very expensive but uh for the tools that small business can use all of that is done in the tool so it's done at on in the cloud basically so you're really accessing a tool for you but all the processing and all the math and all the code you don't have to worry about so for example that tool i mentioned where it analyzes the target audience it is heavily twitter-based i have to say uh, but Twitter does have, I think, I can't remember how many hundred million Instagram posts that pass through Twitter and there's you know there is cross-channel, but it is very interesting because it has so much power to it, but all you're doing is putting in your Twitter handle or other people that you want their audience's Twitter handle, and then it will tell you absolutely everything. Yes. Um, the language tool, the same, it's all it's all done in their you know, in their cloud. So you yeah. don't have to worry about that. But even with selling, you know, if you have consultants that are selling, there's so many amazing tools for that. Like there's uh, one that analyzes the personality of people uh, before you even speak to them and it will tell you what language to use with them. And even give you email, I think there's 12 email templates that will give you that for different things. You know, if they've expressed interest in the right language for that person, if they have objected about price how to address it, et cetera. And then there's others that do there's a few that do personality and then there's ones that do things like automatic prospecting so they will go online and find people that will be your prospects and there's one of them actually has a a digital human-esque without an avatar but i was interacting with someone called alice just because i was investigating the tool but i was interacting with her as a salesperson and i thought she was a real person <laughs> i yeah. have no idea She's it's amazing
0: it um yes. uh, uh, Michelle says, she's geeking out on this, she always mm-hmm. says images on LinkedIn work best, the least polished they are. Interesting. like
1: that okay. furniture example. Yeah.
0: yeah. And let's talk about some of the tools that are available, especially if you're thinking yeah. of for the smaller businesses. Yeah. What are some of the tools that people can go and find out more information. Can you share yeah. some information about
1: that? Yeah, of course. In fact, what I've done, uh, which I was going to share at the end, but I can tell you now, is I just put together a little kind of webinar where I've gone through three tools. Uh, awesome. I can talk about more, but I'll give you a link for that. And oh, so- perfect.
0: Yeah, go ahead and share
1: that now. And I'll actually okay. type that in the banner here and we can add this to... Uh, okay. To- it's wwwai e m y dot forward slash podcast fantastic so that one i put in a tool that does automated which i use automated newsletters yep. so it's quite cool because you put in you can put in all sorts of filters and the ai will search the internet find interesting articles you can accept or not accept them whether you want them or not in your newsletter and you can put your own articles in as well But what it does is every single person on your list will get a separate news, totally different newsletter depending on their interests. So over time, it will um, basically learn each person's, what they click on. And then the newsletter just gets more and more, every article is exactly what they're interested in. So that's one I've put. Then I put one that I've used to write all the blogs on the AI Academy, which is a a blog writing um, tool. So it writes them for you. And then I've put, what was the other one i put in there? (laughs) Oh, yes. One that's really interesting. Uh, It is one, so if people are doing sales to someone, it's one that actually analyzes the conversation, analyzes the person and the conversation, and then gives you tips on how to change your conversation with that person to increase sales. And I know that Honda used this, Honda the car company, and their sales went up 26% from using it. But what's really interesting, there's a free version and there's a the paid version is only $25 per month per user. So, oh. you know, so there's And
0: is a- that feedback that you get? Like you can imagine if it's talking in your head and you kind of try to listen. And, and so it, is it throughout the process then?
1: Where- no, it doesn't do that, this particular tool. What it does is it, it listens and it does text. And then it will send you a report after. Oh, okay. And I'd imagine you start becoming more familiar. Well, you'd
0: be more familiar, wouldn't you, with your ideal clients, and you get more. You'd be, become far more aware on how to approach them. And let's face it. I mean, when it comes to sales, I mean, there's there's complexities that, un, unless you're aware of, you you just probably wouldn't even. Um, Understand, So I think just fascinating. So I've got the link up there for people to, to go and uh, grab uh, some more details there. One of the things that really interests me when you're thinking about AI and the gathering of information is when you think of some of the changes as far as privacy, mm-hmm. is that going to be a challenge that some of these tools have? Because obviously there's some people that don't want their information shared and all that
1: kind of stuff what, what's happening in the space as far as that's concerned yeah so in europe we've got gdpr so that means that um, everyone has to consent and there's a lot of rules around the data we because i work in pharmaceuticals it's we've always had those kind of laws with privacy so when we're doing work with patient data or doctor data we don't know who the patients are it's all anonymized data so we know who the doctor is of the patient, but we have no idea all, I think there's around 18 different things that are taken out of the data. So you've got no name, no no address, no gender, no, you know, not, very little information at all, but you've got all the symptoms and all sorts of things like that. So we use it for um, predicting. So we did, we've done it, use that kind of data for things like it was a third line cancer um, and most patients died at second line. So cancer, there's, You've got first line, then it comes back, you've got second, then third. And so in this type of cancer, most patients died at second line. Now a pharmaceutical company came out with a drug that actually treated third line patients, but they were as rare as hen's teeth. (laughs) So finding the right patients to treat before they died, you know, because they'd die if they didn't get the treatment was very difficult, but we were able to use AI to look at, well, where were out of all the patient records where were their third line patients and let's look at them and trace their journey back and compare them to the other patients that died at second line and so from that we can look at the the second line patients that are alive today and say these these little teeth over here are the only ones that are going to basically survive to third line and so then we don't know who they are but we know who their doctor is so you can then educate the doctor on if they get to third line this is what you need to do rather than trying to educate every oncologist, you know, about the third-line treatment when there's no point.
0: Yeah, absolutely. This is a a great question and uh, one that I was going to ask too. So you jumped in there, Michelle, but let's let's see uh, here. Do you find that there's an inherent distrust of AI? And I would say absolutely there has to be some education there. And like with anything, though, it is very much going to be um, based on the user of that
1: isn't there I mean there's good and bad to all AI is just AI. I think yes it's a good point it's a combination of the user and, and the intent of the programmer. Yeah, the motive yeah. Yeah so I think there is one country which I won't talk about that has AI in their nuclear program now those kind of things aren't just disturbing because if something was detected the AI could do something that a human would go, Well, let's look for a diplomatic solution, whereas the AI is just logic. Okay, that's, that's the kind of
0: thing that I was referring to previously. There's this human yeah. factor that takes into consideration
1: something yeah. that AI may
0: not necessarily do.
1: Yeah, so there's, there's those kind of dangers. And I think the data is the key. You know, I'll give you a really simple example. Many years ago, the British Army were using artificial neural networks, which is a type of machine learning, which is a type of AI. To um, and deep learning. So there's deep learning is subty- So types of subtypes of subtypes. So they are using deep learning, which is a type of artificial neural network, which processes images. So if we're looking at you know cancer tumours growing or you know uh, COVID in the lungs, etc., you'd be using deep learning. But for this one, this is again in the 90s, it was a long time ago. They were using it for tanks for the army. So the army were looking at could we get AI to identify an enemy tank in the woods. So to do that, they went, they brought all these tanks into the woods, took photos of tanks in the woods, photos of woods with no tanks, photos of camouflage tanks in the woods. And then the AI came back with, you will only ever get a tank in the woods on a sunny day. I went, what? And it was because they only took photos of tanks in the woods on a sunny day. So the AI was correct, but the data was you know, limited. And so that's been that and Amazon. I don't know if you know the Amazon case. So Amazon used AI to, for their recruitment. And what they were doing was they put in all these resumes of people that were in Amazon that they thought were good. And the AI learned about what it was about these resumes versus other resumes that made them good. But they suddenly discovered that they had no women being hired, only men. So they looked at the resumes and they realized that the only resumes they put into the system were male resumes. Wow. So that's an example. But then it got even worse. So then they thought, okay, we'll correct it. We'll take out the gender. And it still only put male resumes in for a while because the language men use is different from the language women use on their resumes. Yes. So it's that data, you know, that's the biggest part of any project. Is and it's fascinating
0: too because if you think of the teams that are involved in creating the different components, whatever you call it, of AI, if the contributors to that are slanted a certain way with gender or even understanding. I mean, we bring these nuances. Uh,
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know, that's what makes humans quite interesting because, you know, but you could see that certain AI has a leaning towards a certain way. And I think we've had that. I heard that that someone, I don't know, these people must st- sit around randomly and try, try and say things to, um, you know, the Google or, or some of these smart uh, speakers and come mm-hmm. up with this really, Quite bizarre findings, and it's been that there's been a lot of males working in you know that certain thing. So uh, has that come up to 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 now be more
1: um, diverse? If that's the right term, yes. it's it a, would... big, a bit because everyone's aware of it now because of all these high profile things that have happened. Yeah. Uh, what we call data wrangling. So the biggest part of any AI project is sorting. You know, going making sure you've got the right data cleaning the data, sorting the data, structuring data, so its a lot of steps in there, but it's making, the biggest I think would be making sure you've got the right data because you know, you've know you got to have that, I've got a really interesting example, that's I don't know, you probably haven't heard of it, but Microsoft many years ago set up a chatbot called Tay and she was set up to be like a, have you heard of Tay? No. Okay, so she was a 15 year old girl robot and In the beginning, she was on Twitter saying, humans are super cool. (laughs) And then, but within 24 hours, she said, Hitler was right. I hate effing feminists and all sorts of things. And Microsoft had to shut her down really quickly. And I was like, oh my God, how did that happen so quickly? And I was talking to my data scientists at the time and they said, well, imagine a child with millions of bad parents. So, you know, the humans that are being interacted with at times, can be influencing, you know, these these bots in the way they think as well. So that's another dangerous. The human, yeah, you know, we've got the human oh, moderation,
0: yeah, but I we've got the of, other you know, um, what's the right term? Ethics and and morality. You know, all yeah. of that has to come into play. And there are some things that, you know, lines that you just don't cross as a human. But artificial intelligence again, when they think of, but what really concerns me then, if you think you've got this great AI, and which is you know, run on program on, on. Um, I mean, I don't know the term, so please excuse me. But imagine then if someone gets in there and puts a little code that just completely, you know, stew if it, if you, if you will. Mm-hmm. So I'd imagine that even AI needs to be very much protected too because if someone goes in there and changes something, it can completely impact
1: how he or she runs as well. It could. It's more the data than the code, I think, probably. And- Uh, you know if you put the wrong data in but uh yeah
0: absolutely to recognize like if some if you put a data or something in there that says well if you see this this is actually right but if someone says actually this is right
1: like the parents you know having the bad parents it could yes yes good point there's actually a few well when you do a big ai project so a lot of the projects we do like like one at the moment is we it's omni-channel so context marketing so we're basically backtracking a load of digital journeys and then as a doctor or patient comes into the journey we can know what content what channel what sequence even when to serve up what content to bring them to where we want them to go faster in fact there's actually some tools I think in one of my trainings um, that do that that are much fairly inexpensive this is a fairly expensive one but what uh, that does is when someone talks about something on twitter or something the ai will basically go ah, oh, they need to know about this if they if i tell them about this and send them here that's going to move them along um so there's things like that i've forgotten that was a sidebar but it made me think of something else yeah really? i mean that- I think it's, it's
0: fascinating. It, it really is fascinating. But just like with everything, you know, there's positives and then depending on the motive of the, the programmers or whoever it is that uh, and you have that in life too, isn't it? Yeah. You just hope that the people who do create
1: this AI has it for the best intention of everyone.
0: That's, of everyone. You
1: reminded me of my point. So when we do these kind of things, we have to do algorithms that check what's happening because there's so many things going on we actually have to write algorithms that are checking it all the time to check but there's also a startup i spoke to recently that actually have one that people can use for other ai as well so when people are creating ai they have that and then the other interesting thing going on so i've been working with a professor on a paper for ai ethics for the european commission um now we're can getting we're more audience? While, while
0: you're thinking of that is there that to, because obviously um, just like with, with science I mean there's just because you can doesn't mean you really should does that make sense who yeah. draws that line and are there a number of people that come together to draw
1: that line to keep each other accountable? in Europe yes in other countries less so uh, it's becoming very regulated in Europe with the European Commission but we also a friend of mine has a company that basically does ethical scorecards of A.I. for different companies, Uh, as you would imagine the the big tech came pretty low. I guess you know about some of the scandals going on in big tech with ethics, but um, yeah, so there is that. And we are becoming much more regulated in that space in Europe, not in any other country yeah
0: i mean this is just fascinating and i know that we've just scratched the surface and of course you've got uh, a link there let me share that again so that if people want to know a little bit more um they can certainly do that ai that's an i dash academy dot ai forward slash podcast and there's more details there and of course um uh, please connect or follow Dr. Andre Bates over on LinkedIn because I'm sure the things that you share um, is just on a daily basis, monthly basis. Michelle says, I feel like I'm going down the rabbit hole with Alice.
1: Um, Just quickly, there's one tool. It's funny because I'm very prolific on LinkedIn, but it's AI. I don't do it myself. So I started using AI for posts about six months ago and I think I had 340 reach for a post before that. My post last week, my top reach post was 186,000. It's amazing. So it basically writes the post for me, figures out when to do it, what hashtags, etc., And it's, it's amazing. So there's some great tools I use too.
0: My goodness! I mean, you know, if I, and and of course AI uh, in this context that uh, we always joke. I always joke, you know, if someone can cook and clean and do all of that, but of course, well, um, no, you know,
1: uh, what's his name? Mark Zuckerberg has created a AI robot for himself for wow. um, a butler, AI butler, I think it is.
0: Yeah, my husband always jokes, and I know this is women in leadership, and he says it as a joke. He goes, "Yeah, but that's what I got you for." It's like, well, I need one of those. <laughs> <laughs> Look, thank you so, so much for uh, what you've shared. Uh, again, they were just scratching the surface. But one of the things, and I'll, I'll close with this and then, of course, ask you to share how people can, can connect with you again one last time. Uh, you know, what we've seen in in that's happened around the world, you know, can shut down an entire planet from just what happens in one part of the country or wherever, you know. You would hope that the powers that be that are creating this technology does for the... The betterment of all it doesn't matter who you are, what nation you're from. Um, we're all in, in this one planet, so um, let's hope that we again are using it for uh, for the betterment and, and the progression of, of all. So, one more time, um, how's the best way for you for, for people to connect with you if they'd like to find out more and share a little bit about AI Academy as well? Because this is something an area that they can go
1: to if they want to learn a little bit more. If my understanding is correct, yeah. To- it was yeah. kind of a, a passion project for women's day but i put together fairly really comprehensive training courses on ai in different areas ai and sales ai and social media ai in um what in the other one oh, understanding your target audience and i'm yes. doing that as, so they've got i think around did a while ago around 19 videos in each training and it's really taking you through tools that you can use for different aspects of different things so it was really just to help you know, small business entrepreneurs know what they can use to solve certain problems in their business. Yeah, terrific. Well, once
0: again, thank you for coming on the show. You're
1: very welcome. Thank you. This podcast is brought to you by the theinfluencealliance.com. Want to influence real change with your message by becoming known as a trusted authority in your industry while building a sustainable and scalable business you love? Find out how by accessing our free podcast series at www.theinfluencealliance.com slash podcast series. That's theinfluencealliance.com slash podcast series. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.